1: Reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
0: Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry! (laughs) Stupid! Corey Perry! William able
1: to shake away from Salonian. Skips away to
0: all right we're back uh, a couple days later from our last show and uh man it you know what it it almost feels fitting that we come back three days later to address these last three games mostly just the the st louis blues series but nobody really wanted to talk about that blues loss yet yesterday you know the arizona loss it, it is what it is but this uh this two-game stretch here against St. Louis on Saturday and, and tonight is—it's uh, <laughs> the epitome of, of the Duck season so far. It, it feels like rock bottom. We're only ten games into the season.
1: It definitely feels rock bottomish. Uh, it feels a lot like the previous two seasons under Carlisle, under uh, a shortened season um, with the first uh, season for Akins. Is just. Uh, I PTSD just watching these last two games go like, oh God, we're back. We're back to the way we were. Everything that had been told to us that was going to change and get better and people were improving and everyone was on board. It just, it, it reverted right back to the old way. And it was, it was... Not fun to watch. <laughs> Say it as nicely as possible. <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: I mean, we knew St. Louis was a great team, um, and, and it's not like the Ducks have looked great this season. They came off a, a couple decent games, I guess you could call it, against uh, against Arizona. But man, um, you know, the start to yesterday's game—three goals on six shots under in the first three minutes—and you know, it's not just that number and that stat right there—three goals in the first three minutes and six shots. It's the way. <laughs> They were scored. Just, yeah. they, it's like they didn't show up. You know, they they were lazy on coverages, left guys open. I think one of the goals, Sanford just walked out from behind the net, wrapped it around, and and got his own rebound to put it past Gibson. Kiru scored on a breakaway. Like that was the worst start I've seen from this team in a while, and they've had some very bad starts bad over starts. the last. Like <laughs> similar to to that game against St. Louis. But just, like, the laziness on all those plays. Like, Fowler on one play didn't uh, really cover his man. Shattenkirk with a turnover in another. Like, uh, man, it, it's it, it's unreal to, to see that that kind of play from the Ducks. I mean, it's, it's not impossible, not unbelievable. It's just ridiculous that we're seeing it.
1: Yeah, like, usually you might see, like, one person makes a, a boneheaded play or a mistake or, you know, ah, dang, you know what, I, I should have played that one differently. It was a total team Effort, <laughs> attitude they just like they're everyone just staring at things going like ah oh, I, should, I should probably probably engage this but also I'll, I'll wait and see what happens and it was that mentality of just wait and see what happens and maybe the puck will bounce to me and then i can i can start going or something like that and yeah that walkout uh, by sanford was just anyone who attempts to do that and the NHL uh, should should be buried on that attempt. I mean, they're going to have to pay a price. The fact that he he walked out, doesn't get hit, then goes around the top of the crease, doesn't get hit, gets a shot, then goes all the way to the far end, has his own rebound, and then roofs it over a sprawled goalie. It's like goalie's got to play defense, apparently has to score now, and he's also <laughs> going to make amazing saves all over the place. But just top to bottom Everywhere, everyone sucked. It was just horrible that game, especially that first first period, really.
0: Yeah, we we saw a couple of roster changes for that game. Uh, it was announced that Grant was out with an upper body injury, so David Backus makes his season debut, and uh, Troy Terry ends up sitting the last game, and Isaac Linderstrom comes in you know, fresh off a, a two goal game winning performance for the goals the night before, so uh, you know a well deserved. Uh, intro back into the lineup for him he didn't look necessarily bad uh, that game either Troy Terry uh, you know again another in my opinion I think you you would agree with this another deserved rest for him if you want to call it or, or benching or whatever you want to call it um, You know, he ended up missing that game and and you know I thought David Backus looked pretty good but you know when you look at the summation of things a 6-1 loss and in the, in the way that game started mm-hmm. it's it's really hard to draw any positives from that one
1: Yeah. And just a note to the decks, uh, you know, you got to at least let us get a little bit drunk before you start playing like crap and we're down by three goals. You can't do that in the first two and a half minutes of a game because that's that's not fun for anybody at that point. We don't even have a buzz going at that point.
0: Yeah, it it was brutal. We're not going to dwell too too much on that game (laughs) because in a lot of ways it draws parallels to to the game today to uh scoreline fairly similar and and it really was a lot of the same from what we saw yesterday tonight except for the the really slow start from anaheim i thought they actually came out and had a decent first period they outshot the blues i think seven to six they kept it a a pretty defensively tight game and obviously silferberg picks up the goal and and the only goal of the first period but you know beyond that second period third period on it felt a lot like saturday
1: Yeah, I mean it was a power play goal too. And uh, I think we've only had one this season. We were ranked dead last coming in, so to get one early definitely had a a better feel. And especially, you know, Silverberg just shooting and not try to wait for something to happen, you know, fairly quickly off the face-off. I had high hopes. The the period looked pretty good. They had their feet moving, they seemed engaged, they were making passes tape to tape. And one thing that I think is really critical for them to start scoring goals is get asses in front of the goalie get it in front of the other goalie and start creating a little bit of havoc something where the goalie doesn't see it and then there's maybe a rebound opportunity but then that just builds on it if you can do that shift after shift you get more of those chances I thought they did a a good job uh, of that in the first period and then as the game kind of wore on they kind of reverted back but at least it was a good start at least they seemed like they had their legs and they they had a purpose and they they wanted to try they were trying to shoot to score so
0: yeah, uh, the big thing we have to mention, we'll go back to this after and talk a lot more about it uh, after we we recap this game. But Adam Henrique was a healthy scratch for this game. Mm-hmm. No real reasoning or update on why, whether it's a benching after a 6-1 thrashing and, you know, a message to a guy who led the Ducks in scoring. Like, hey, you've only got two points in nine games. You got to step it up or with a healthy scratch of a notable player. The trade rumors started to come up, right? So we'll uh, we'll cover that one a bit more later. But Agazino comes in for Adam Henrique in this one, and Troy Terry jumps back in for Isaac Lindström. But you know, getting back to the first period, there we mentioned how the Ducks got off to a hot hot start, got a power play goal. Uh, how much of their hot start though is attributed to the fact that St. Louis kind of shot themselves in the foot there with two early penalties? It, it's a lot easier to take you know take the reins and take hold of a game and, and start with the front foot when you've got, you know, the first four minutes of, of the first 10 of the game, you've got two power plays, right? So it's a little bit easier to get off the gate, you know, a lot faster than, than Saturday night.
1: But, but even then I, I thought the ducks were actually, were moving. Um, they, they seemed more, you know, I hate to cliche it and say engaged, but um they were going after the puck. They were, they were creating turnovers. I mean, they attacked the goalie uh, when he was behind the net and that kind of created a chance or opportunity. And so like, some excitement scoring chances uh we don't ever really see that and not necessarily most of them were on the power play Uh, i think it definitely helped that shot total because i think uh you know almost or a little bit halfway through ducks were out shooting them like seven to two or something like that so they're making it a little bit easier for gibson as well um you know power plays are obviously maybe going to help They'll push it, but I think St. Louis can roll four lines. So even after the penalty kill happens, they they should have been. I would have expected to come out a little bit more, um, you know, faster and pushing the pace against the Ducks. So I kind of give the Ducks at least a little bit of credit. They were at least hanging with a St. Louis team that is deeper and, quite frankly, better than them for that first period.
0: Yeah, I think where a lot of the credit comes is is later on after those power plays because I feel like the Ducks did keep up the pressure. Ricard Raquel got a couple of chances and and Ville Huso made a couple of good saves and and honestly I was a bit shocked. I mean he you know his, he was a bit shaky in terms of rebounds during this game, but not a guy who has a ton of NHL experience coming in against a team that's desperate to try and rebound off a six one loss and and I felt like he was steady and and you know Silverberg does hit the post later on. In uh, the first period, and the Ducks could have potentially been up two or three nothing out of that. But as it always is, you know, they they don't have really the finishers on this team to pile it on. When they, when they have those chances, they come out with a one nothing lead, which is nice at the time. But you, you look back now and think, man, if they had a potted another one, or if Silverberg kind of gets that under the crossbar there and makes it two nothing, how much of a, a better outlook do they have for the rest of this game?
1: Yeah, and Silverberg. So you know, planted his ass kind of right in front or right by the goalie got that chance a little and tight off the post. Unfortunate. Um, yeah. Cause that could have definitely sent us the confidence that we've been lacking for the last two and a half season. That could have definitely been the statement. Hey, we got two goals. You know, we even got a power play goal out of it. We're up two nothing going in the second period. Let's keep going on it. Um, so, a lot of chances in and around the net that you know once again just yeah like you said weren't really capitalized on like they were there and they just some somehow just missed it or whiffed on it or someone made just you know an extra little pass or something that just didn't quite work out and unfortunately we need we need all all the things to start going our way for that confidence to, to at least incrementally build uh moving forward yeah and i mean when you think that
0: you know the blues had six shots in the first three minutes Of uh, Saturday's game and the Ducks hold them to six shots throughout the entire first period on this one it it felt like a better effort and you know you take into account yeah it's a back to back and if any team should be tired coming off yesterday's performance it'd probably be St. Louis the way they kind of took it to the Ducks the other day but you know this is the type of period i think the ducks need to have in in all their games this is how they should start a little bit you know calm and reserved and and take advantage of the opportunities you have and and try and limit the shots against because how many times have we seen so far this year you know the ducks will come out of the first period and and there already be 14 15 shots on the board for the other team uh, and you know whether john gibson's on his game or not you know the ducks could still come out of that period tied or leading depending on how well john gibson is playing but it is a nice little change there, despite the outcome of this game. To see them get off and and start so well, and and kind of you know, not really scrape their way to a one nothing lead. I felt like they deserved it.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, it was pretty much the highlight over the last two games. That was it. They had. <laughs> what a good, do you think we're talking a about so right, we're <laughs> we focusing in on the one little little nugget of gold we got here, and we're really just <laughs> propping it up. Look at look at how great this one thing was. <laughs> Look how great this first period was when the Ducks up the six shots. That's... Oh my God, it's walking. It's walking. It stood up. <laughs> and then immediately craps its pants. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Im- immediately
0: into the second period. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lindholm gets an interference call, which I thought was a pretty weak call. Yeah. I, it, I mean, it, it's interference, I guess, if you want to take it textbook. He does interfere with Kairu when he's along the boards and doesn't really have control of the puck, but he touches him for maybe two. It doesn't really take him out of the play. I'm sure Lindholm could have got there without running into Kyra, but at the end of the day,
1: it gives gives the Blues a power play. He kind of looked like he had it in his mind that he was going to make that hit um, one way or the other, and he kind of lucked out in the fact that it at least looked like it may have gone the other way, like to the ref that was closer, that he didn't make that call. It was the farther ref that did. Um, and that's because the puck was really kind of just behind Lindholm. So the puck was still in the vicinity. Um, but the, the player actually didn't have it for quite a while. I mean, just, lo- just long enough to where it's just too late and you can't hit him. And it's slowing him up or it's interfering. At some point, you have to turn around and try and find the puck. That's what the refs want you to do. Don't necessarily agree with it. ticky tacky, But it could have gone either way. So, I mean, if, if I was on the, you know, if, if it were happening the other way around with the Ducks, I'd be like, oh yeah, I could see that being a penalty, but you know, just a little bit a penalty where on this side, uh, it shouldn't have been a penalty a little bit.
0: I mean, at the end of the day, the ducks end up killing it off. And and I guess the only you know, one of the only saving graces they have on the season this year is the penalty kill has actually been pretty good. And and they really haven't, you know, allowed any sloppy goals on the power play. Obviously, the Blues do get a power play goal later on in this game, but if anything, if you're going to take any positives out of this season so far, and it's the penalty kill has been good, and you know it's it's not surprising with the personnel the Ducks have, they have a lot of two-way defensively responsible forwards who can get things done on on the penalty kill. We've seen it in the past, uh, but again, you know, a, a pretty good effort there, especially on a weak call. Because how many times have we seen that you know bite the Ducks in the <laughs> yeah, ass you know. and, and St. Louis gets their way back into the game? So.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, to your point, we we do have a lot of defensively responsible forwards, and I kind of like to get maybe some that aren't that way, necessarily. <laughs> some some that are willing to kind of put the puck in the net, that sort of deal. So, some guys who are just cherry picking at the blue line. Yeah, we'll I mean, right I, you now. know, every team's got one, maybe two, you know, if they're, they're a decent team, you know, someone that's, you know, not necessarily going to be... You know, right, right in the thick of things and grinding out defensive plays, and we got plenty of those guys who are willing to do that. So yeah, so I'm not too surprised. I mean, we came into the game what I think fifth in the NHL in penalty killing. It's like one of the only stats other than goals saved above average. Um <laughs> that just <laughs> taken a hit over the last couple of years. Yeah, so. which has obviously come back down to earth given what what we
0: got. <laughs> I really get we're partially responsible for that because we were talking about it kind of outside the podcast because we haven't recorded since uh, a few games ago now, but that, you know, eventually this is going to come back and, and to haunt the ducks and so John Gibson is not going to be able to keep this up forever. And there's, there's going to be one game here where things just break open. And of course we go into last night and, and it happens a lot sooner than we probably would have <laughs> wanted it to. And it, it happens in the worst way possible, but yeah, I, I mean, a little bit more of the same in this game. You look at the the first Blues goal, Justin Falk finds his way just wide open in, in the right circle, and his shot ends up uh, shot a, a shot pass, I guess you could call it, over to, to Braden Shen, and he tips it and makes a nice play to get it by Gibson. Again, a, a one that, uh, you know, it's not really Gibby's fault on this one. It's a deflection right in the prime scoring area in the slot, and, you know, Shen makes a great effort to kind of dive and get a stick on that, but it's just the way it's rolling for Gibson right now.
1: Yeah, that that play I didn't really like from the, you know, I'm gonna come to the goalie's defense as I always do as a goalie. But um there was there was a play in the neutral zone that that preceded them getting in and then creating the havoc or the play that ends up happening. And it was Troy Terry, again, on the wing where he's flat foot in the neutral zone and just starts waving his stick at the guy who ends up just burning right past him. I mean, there was no effort to get in his way to do anything other than just wave his stick and hopefully it disrupts him or something like that. But he just got blown right past. And then the second one, um, Max Jones, you know, the, uh, the uh, the eventual goal scorer ends up breaking away from him. But it was that, that that's the effort I want to see out of ducks players where it's like, Oh my God, that guy wide open. I'm not just going to stand back and see what happens with him. I'm going to try to jump and get in the way. And it becomes a shot pass where he's diving and deflecting it. And it's just like, he, he did it by getting away from max Jones quickly and wanting to be involved in the play versus just watching the play happen and see if it comes to him and it results in a goal. And the, that's the difference I'm noticing between the good teams and what they do and what the Ducks do. And the Ducks tend to watch a lot of stuff. And this is a just a prime example of a team that was hungry to try and get a goal.
0: Yeah, and, and it's just a, a deflated attitude that we've seen from the Ducks for a while. And, you know, it's not fun. Losing for sure, and losing the way they lost to the Blues the other night. But you can't take that into the next game with you. And we've seen that time and time again that the the Ducks are just lazy on some of these plays, or they're not really engaged and willing to make that extra effort. Like you said, to get in front of that and and block that pass. And we've seen a few plays. I think Any Hockey has been one of the only players that's been engaged in, in doing those sorts of things on the defensive side. So. But you can't have one guy doing that. You need everybody doing that. And as much as I thought Max Jones looked good on Saturday night, he got rewarded with a goal. You know, if you want to stick in the lineup right now, you've got to be doing things on both ends, especially when you're a team that's offensively challenged. You're going to get more notice and more recognition for what you're doing on the defensive side. So, again, a bit disappointing for me to see that, uh, you know, Max Jones involved in that play, especially after Saturday night.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, yeah, I mean, Hakapa's done well. I thought Fowler was pretty good. He was engaged in a lot of plays and uh, keeping the puck in. So there there were certain highlights and certain players kind of showed up. But if it's not across the board and it's not consistent 60 minutes or close to it, you know, we, we'll, we'll applaud that one period and talk about it. But ultimately, the end result is the same, same crap, different day.
0: Yeah, and I mean, the Ducks did get a couple chances after that goal, too. You know, Raquel got a point-blank shot that – Husso made a pretty good positional save, and then yeah. a couple minutes later, he ends up absolutely robbing uh, Agazino on on the back door. And you know, it's a great save. Um, Agazino doesn't really get all of it; it kind of throws it right down the center into his body. But you know, you've got to dive across and be in a good position to make that save to begin with. But you, you know, again, it comes down to not really having the right guy in the in the right place at the right time. And you know, Agazino checks in for for Henry because he's a healthy scratch tonight. Uh, and that's the guy you're bringing in, hoping to generate some more offense. He he gets a great spot on the second line, yeah. basically saying, "Hey, you're going to take over Adam Henrique's job in this game." And if you want to stick around, you got to put that one in the back of the net. You got to be able to be calm under pressure and and convert. And the Ducks just don't have enough of those guys.
1: No, and you know I won't throw him too much under the bus on that one. That pass was a little bit behind him um and then i don't think they, they kept saying that they were they were he was trying to or should have tried to throw it up high um i think he was trying to throw a five hole and it just ended up catching just just the top part of the leg pad and and not going in i mean that's that's about the only play he kind of had and he just missed a little bit um but with the pass being behind him that's also going to be a little bit difficult to kind of pick your spot because you're also trying to you have a small window to kind of make this happen and not a lot of leverage. So I think it's kind of fortunate for the goalie that he was able to even get that. But uh, you know, it's, it's the same, same story. It's like, Oh man, we were so close. We almost did something. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, you look at it, you know, the Ducks went into this period up one nothing, out-shooting St. Louis 7-6. to They get out of the second, they're out-shooting them 16-12, to so they had the shot advantage in that period, and St. Louis only got six shots, but they converted on two of them. Yeah. And, and there were two chances that, you know, you look at the effort from the Ducks, and the second goal uh, was a passer behind the net that ends up finding Sammy Blaze in the middle of the ice, and his shot, unfortunately. What an um,
1: awesome name, by the way. Yeah, I never know if it's Blaze or Blay. It's one of those yeah. French names. <laughs> I think I've oh, at least I think I heard it today. It's both actually on the broadcast. Or I don't know. But if it's Blaze, that's awesome. It sounds like an American Gladiator. <laughs> I mean, he needs to
0: change it to just Blaze with the Z. <laughs> yeah, right. Then it'd be you would hundred percent know he's he's an American yeah, yeah. at that point. <laughs> but, right. uh, I mean, w- the, the theme of the last three St. Louis schools here is just kind of bad luck for the Ducks, mm-hmm. where this pass from behind the net hits off a skate and lands right on blaze stick. And, and he makes it two one at that point. You look at the first goal in the third period was a pass from behind the net found Shen wide open and his one timer goes in off back as his stick and makes it three, one and then Pareko for the fourth goal, just a you know simple one timer from way out mm. at the blue line. It hits Silverberg under the arm and then just dips down like a, a brutal dip. Down basically down to you know a couple inches <laughs> off the
1: ice and yeah right see. down right down Main Street right between the legs underneath them where you just can't can't do much on it and uh, that's that's a whole nother story this these two games it's been the Ducks deflecting or you know being the last person to touch it before it goes past Gibby um, yeah I, I the and once again that that fourth goal it was it was a save. And then the Ducks, instead of, of being able to to skate it out or move it out and make a direct pass, they just throw it up the board. Then they throw it up the board, and then everyone just starts looking around again like, OK, well, now who do I got to cover? Because he's about to shoot from the point. Unfortunately, it hits Silverberg. That happens in games, and it just kind of goes in. But that's the kind of thing where that happens to us a lot, and it doesn't happen to other teams. And at some point, I'm starting to think it's, it's more of how we're – playing the game or how i should say they they play the game um and you know it's and it was such a bad start and that's like when those two goals happened early in the third and it was it felt once again a, a lot like the first period of the other game where it's just like damn it all right well that we're not playing again and then the yep. rest of that period was exactly that where it's just not really playing passes weren't hitting off sides a whole lot uh, and no one going to the front of the net. No one doing anything. I mean, we were just kind of dead after that.
0: It sucks the the momentum out of you know trying to make a comeback. You go into the third period, you're down yeah. by one. And then within two minutes, you're down by three. And was a power uh,
1: play goal that we gave up that's extra demoralizing since that's the one thing we can go. Like, yeah, uh, we suck, but the penalty kill is like way up in the league. So we're doing good yeah. there.
0: And, and, you know, you felt like the message out of the Blues locker room going into the third period was to shoot the puck. You know, they only had 12 shots after two yeah. periods. And, and you look at that flurry of chances in the two goals for St. Louis, they were just getting everything on net. And, you know, you again, Shen's goal, just a, a one-timer that ends up taking the deflection. And then Pareko is, is kind of the definition there of of what they likely heard in the locker room of just get pucks on net. I yeah. mean, you don't take that shot unless you've really been told that, hey, we, we need to get more than 12 shots here. Mm-hmm. And, and we need to start putting pucks uh, on Gibson because he played last night the Ducks are kind of on their heels right now, and you know, again, it, it is lucky the way those two went in, but it's a product of, of what St. Louis really wanted to come out and do uh, to start that third period.
1: Yeah, I'm just I'm <laughs> I'm glad St. Louis is leaving because I'm just tired <laughs> of watching the, the Ducks just score on themselves because that's that's equally frustrating, and that's you know, from coming from a goalie perspective on that when when they end up deflecting it's your own guys, deflecting it or standing around. Trying to make blocks or whatever, and they just it sometimes creates just so much more havoc. If you just, you know, let me see it or block it all the way, do one or the other that the half assing it or you know, not quite sure what you're going to do with the guy who's shooting in front of you, it just it really makes a goalie have to kind of pause for a second, and then you get the slow deflection that goes in, and the goalie looks like he's really slow on the play, but he just can't pick it up quick enough.
0: Yeah, and you know, ultimately. Uh, you know, we don't need to spend too much more time on this game. The Ducks end up losing four to one to, to the St. Louis Blues, outscored ten to two over the two-game back-to-back series. Um, so, like so, you so. said, we we can't get out of here fast enough and and not have to worry about playing St. Louis. Hopefully, uh, I think it's for at least not another month. Yeah, not until March first and third is when we'll see the St. Louis Blues again. So thank God. Hopefully, by that time, uh, the, the Ducks have been able to. I don't know if they. They can turn it around at this point, but at least get somewhat better than what we saw over, over this two-game stretch.
1: Yeah, and I'm looking forward to the next three games. One's against LA, the other two against San Jose. I mean, teams that we're we're hoping to compete with and and you know compete for that fourth spot. And given how crappily we've played, uh, I'm not sure if that's a word, but uh, over the the last you know handful of games here now. I would hope that maybe we're a little bit amped up to play against uh, Crosstown rivals or interstate rivals and, and see if that maybe lights a fire up our ass. I mean, at this point there's, there's nothing else we can really do at this point. It's like, here's our last hope. Hey, it's a rival. Get up for that. And if we can't even do that, then F it, just burn it down.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's always fun and
1: exciting to go into the
0: first games of the season against LA and San Jose. And, They're both in in similar spots to the Ducks this year, and they have their own issues. But, uh, you know, the the thing is, I think we put this tweet out here earlier today, Arthur Kaliev, who's one of the top prospects in the Kings system, got called up to their taxi squad today, looking like he could possibly make his debut against the Ducks on... uh, on Tuesday, and we uh, we always know how players making their NHL debut do against the, against Ducks. the Ducks, so yeah. that's, already, that's already worrying me for that Tuesday yeah. game, where one of the King's top prospects could come up. Zegris is still uh, withering away down in San Diego, and Kaliev... Withering away. <laughs> I'm being a bit dramatic, but... Yeah, uh, just a bit. <laughs> yeah, it, it just it feels like the writing's on the wall for that game. If Kaliev ends up getting in, that uh, he's somehow going to find his way into the score sheet. It always happens but it, you know it's shaping up for a good game you know that when the kings play the ducks even lately when they've both been bad there still is good games there's still a couple guys for each team that have stuck around from you know when both teams were competing for the stanley cup when you look at dowdy and kopitar and, and carter and brown and la and you've got getzlaff and fowler and, and uh, gibson that are, are still here in anaheim right so There is uh, pieces of that rivalry still sticking around. And, of course, the Sharks as well. A lot of turnover there when you think, you know, Joe Thornton's no longer there. And Marlowe is back after being away for a little bit. But they've still got guys who have bad blood with the Ducks. So three games that, as long as they're not blowouts, if they're good, close games, I think it will, you know, revive some life at least into this season.
1: Yeah, I mean, if anything, the Ducks can look forward to playing against Jonathan Quick. So we have a chance to score. At least at that point. <laughs> yeah, we hope so, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. He is, he's, he's, he's had his time. It was a long time ago. So we'll we'll see. We'll see uh, what we can eventually muster up against them. But, yeah, any 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 player on that team who hasn't scored a goal yet this season will probably end up getting their first of the season against the Ducks. It, it never fails. It usually ends up happening like the 40th game of the season. But um, just knowing our luck, the way it's going now. Everyone will get their first goal against the Ducks. Yeah,
0: I, I think uh, it might have been Eric Stevens. I don't know if it was a tweet or, or through the real-time uh, portion of the Athletic app. He put out something uh, that was like Brock Besser has eight goals this season, oh, which man. is more than like six Ducks players combined. It was Top, like Terry, like, gets gets, uh, uh, Henry.
1: Henry, yeah, yeah it, it was well,
0: I think, uh, I I think so, Terry in in there home, before yeah. tonight's game. Yeah, so yeah. like the guys you would expect to be to be scoring for the Ducks and Brock Besser's out here. Uh, I guess, Brock, again, Brock Besser is, is leading the league in goals. so it's, it's I would a not stat have that, thought that, by the way. Yeah, eight, eight goals, I think, in 10 games yeah. for Vancouver. That's um, nice. Not... You know, I don't think he's even recorded a hat trick. So he's just kind of quietly getting it done so far this year. Not like the high profileness you usually see of Ovi, where he'll score, you know, a four goal night and <laughs> work his way to having eight goals in ten games. A little bit. He's, of a-
1: he's literally. I, I'm not sure how many goals. I think he scored like two goals, and I've seen all of those. And uh, everyone talks about it. And I've not seen one. Brock Besser goal, <laughs> and I, and I've been watching like uh, NHL uh, you know uh, network in the morning to see who, who how all the games went. This is weird. <laughs> I remember when I think it was Quiet. in the
0: what been in the summer where he was rumored to be on his way out of Vancouver and the uh, Ducks yeah, were yeah, yeah. thrown yeah. into the ring. And we I think we talked about it on a couple podcasts about the potential of Brock Besser coming over to Anaheim and what that would look like. Ah man, imagine imagine what could have been. Brock Besser leading the oh. league in goals and and bringing him on on the Ducks this year. Now, obviously, I don't know if he'd be getting that same type of production on on you know the team that Anaheim has right now. But mm-hmm. uh, you can imagine you know a player Brock Besser's shooting capability playing with Ryan Getzlaf this year would be uh, a, a welcome sight for yeah. Ducks fans.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I just I don't know how anyone would want to play here right now. That's got any sort of skill. Like, I mean, God bless Gibby. He's he's really sticking it out, I guess, at this point. Took a hometown discount on that contract. But it, it just feels, I hate to use the word, the culture in the Ducks. But it just seems like everyone that comes in, whether you got promise or not, I mean, the, the Ducks just... It's just sad. <laughs> I don't know if there's a better way to put it, but you come in, it's like anybody who who has you know that uh, uh, you know aspiring to be better and this year is going to be good. We're going to put in the work. We're going to compete. We're going to do that. I keep hearing that over and over again, and then it never translates on the ice. Whoever it comes in, just. Over the last two years, two and a half years, is just you just watch their game come down to whatever it is that we're doing, whatever level we're at right now, and we can't seem to get out of it. I don't know. I don't know what the solution is because you, know, you go a third coach, a new GM, new players. I mean, I don't know the answer.
0: It, yeah, it just doesn't. Uh, it, it doesn't feel the same as it did yeah. when you when you thought. And, and again, it's not like players were scrambling to come to Anaheim, even when the Ducks were competing for the Stanley Cup and one of the best teams in the Western Conference. But there was just a compete level on a nightly basis where, I mean, you know, this Ducks team at one point was considered the comeback kids. No matter what, if they went behind, this was a team that would fight tooth and nail to get back into a game and more often than not would take the game to overtime or win it, right? And, and, uh, you know, I know as teams transition and players move on and the game changes, you know, you're going to go through a period like this where you're not winning but that mentality that we've associated with the Ducks for so long is is just not there anymore and you know I'm not obviously as involved in in some of the other teams that are rebuilding right now when you look at the Kings and look at the Sens and some of the other teams across the league so I'm not sure you know especially the Kings how that transition's gone for their fan base and you know, moving away from being a, a team that's competitive and competing for the Stanley Cup every year. And if that kind of compete level has changed in in their locker room now with the way, you know, they're playing and how bad they've been. But it doesn't quite look like it's the mm-hmm. same as the Ducks. It, it still looks like, you know, their top players are, are playing well. It's just a lack of quality personnel around them. Whereas in Anaheim, it's a bit of both. I mean, I mean there's not you know, a quality team in front of
1: them right now, but also the compete level just isn't there. Yeah. And like I said, I just, I don't know the right answer. It's like, if there's not compete level, is that, is that because the players just, it hasn't clicked in their mind? Or is it the coaching staff that's told them to approach the game this way? And they're just kind of doing what the coaching staff is doing. Or is it like, Hey, you know, we've been here for three, you know, Three or less years, and this is just how everyone's been playing. So we're just playing along with how everyone's playing. Um, so I don't know if there needs to be like an infusion of. That's why. That's why I, I would hope at some point you maybe you know, Kirk, I was hoping could kind of be a little bit of an infusion of. Hey, I've played in St. Louis. I've, I've played with New York. I've played and won a Stanley Cup with Tampa. Let me bring some of that experience here and see what you guys are doing, or why this isn't happening, and be that leader that tells, "Hey, this is this is how we should be doing it, guys. Why aren't we doing it?" And I don't know. He kind of seems like he just kind of came in and just got, got sucked, it into in, sucked into the it. like, vortex. Like, <laughs> well, how, how do we stop this like, vortex? The war, the whirlpool. Let's how do we how do we stop that motion? And I don't know if it's a a, a big roster changeout, but. I mean, you can't keep firing coaches and hiring new ones and hoping all of a sudden something clicks. I mean, I guess. I mean, you go to Carlisle, you go to Aikens. Gallant? I mean, I'd be willing to give that a shot maybe. But uh, I I just don't know. I I think even the players are just kind of waiting for Bob Murray to move out. And I don't know if they're, they're competing enough for the coach they got in front of them. No easy answers. I don't know. Yeah. It it's it, things, you know, think,
0: what what do you what do you even do at this point? I think that's the question. And we talk about Shattenkirk like jokingly getting sucked into the vortex here. But you look at the way he's been playing and his compete level and his commitment over the last couple of games. I think you'd be hard pressed to find a Ducks fan that says he's played well since really the first two games of this season. It it feels like he's been a part of this system and this atmosphere now for like the last five years. But he's only been here for ten <laughs> games. He just he just came over and he fit in he camouflaged the team yeah and it's not looked good um you know there's, there's a couple that, guys on this that's also kind identify. of
1: my thought of why you say uh zegras is uh rotten away in you know the ahl are uh, withering away um I, I don't know if that's someone that you you necessarily want to bring into what we have here maybe he he comes in and he's you know the the fire you know the um It was it, um, not the lighter, but something that sparks (laughs) the rest of the team like, oh, look, this guy's being creative, he's got he enjoys the game, this is fun, and maybe we get back into it. But I really doubt that that he would come in and that would completely change everyone else's attitude. So, if you end up doing that, that is always my concern because that's what happened a lot in Edmonton until you got someone like McJesus in there. It was they had all the talent, they had the Nugent Hopkins, the Halls, the you know, the everybody. But once you got in there, it just was a culture of losing, and they were used to it. And everyone who came in, even though they had talent, would never reach that potential until they left. And um, you know, so that's that's probably the only reason why I would say, I just just let Zegers just just play over here, and we'll we'll get them in next <laughs> season when when hopefully things change, the expansion draft happens, a new GM, whatever else happens. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get right into the
0: post-game show here because I think it. Or like the post-game topics, because I think it transitions from what we were we were just chatting about, where you know a change of culture and what's to come next. We look at Adam Henrique getting healthy scratched for this game and what that potentially means and the reason behind it. And I think there's only two reasons. It's one, you know, showing, you know, sending a message to the team and to the player here that things aren't good enough. It does come off a six-one loss to the Blues and a time in the season where Adam Henrique hasn't looked great at all. He only has a goal and an assist in nine games this year. So it wouldn't put it past me to be a healthy scratch to kind of wake up the player and, and wake up the team. It is just a weird decision from the ducks right now that you don't really have that luxury to go out and healthy scratch a player like Adam Henrique to bring in Andrew Agassino when you're trying to score goals and you're trying to win games right now. Like, as bad as Adam Henrique's been, he's still one of your best players. And it serves you better having him in the lineup, even like that, rather than, you know, bringing in know who didn't look bad. It's just a weird decision for
1: Anaheim. It's odd, but I think they're at the point, or at least uh, the coaching staff is at the point, is like, throw it on the wall and see what sticks. Um, like you know, I'm out of I'm out of ideas. I've I've tried to to inspire the team, I've tried to hold them accountable. And I'm guessing this is kind of one of those accountability things where hey, you know, and a lot of Ducks fans would probably say that, you know, you can find quite a few of them that would say uh Henrique's our number one center and Getzloff's number two. Um and if he's not playing like a number one center, um then you know at some point the accountability is gonna start somewhere. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but I mean, I guess do it now because it's the first back-to-back games, maybe give him a rest, that sort of deal. Um, but I think it's more that than there's a trade offer on the table and, you know, they, you know, don't want to get him injured before that trade goes through. I think it was literally like, listen, this guy hasn't produced, he's, he's been non-existent. He is, he's, I don't think he's really winning face-offs. I haven't seen face-off numbers, but I just, I, I don't see him in games. Like if I see him, it's just in passing as the puck gets dumped in and he's going for a line change. That's kind of all I see. And if, if that's your impact and you're glogging those big minutes, maybe every now and again, you need a, a sit down. Um, I don't disagree with it. Cause I don't think if you had Henrique in here, this game was going to turn out much different. Um, so I think it's more of a message. Cause I think at this point the coaching staff doesn't know w- i don't say doesn't know but it's starting to run out of ideas at this point and so it's like all right well who's not producing that definitely should be producing and he's had nine games to do something and he hasn't done much i mean if
0: if that's the case if that you're sending a message to adam henrique and to the rest of the team here it and like you said you're kind of throwing shit at the wall and see what sticks it's desperate like it reeks of desperation For the ducks at this point and it's not (laughs) like it's it's like a
1: coach trying to save his job (laughs) yeah listen i've got nothing else so i'm gonna do this and see what the hell happens
0: you know it would it would i'd more so lean to the trade side if adam henrique had been decent so far and you know had five points or so after nine games and didn't look out of place and we weren't complaining that the production hasn't been there and then all of a sudden he gets healthy scratched for no reason then you're like okay that could lean towards more trade. And maybe I'm eating my words tomorrow morning and I'm Henrique gets traded. Who knows? But <laughs> me, me both, yeah. <laughs> we're we're in a situation right now where it could be either or because Henrik hasn't played well and because, you know, the team doesn't really know what else to do. They've brought in, you know, Vinny Lettery, they've brought in Isaac from twice. They brought in Agazino. They've brought in Bacchus. They've benched Terry twice. You know, they've they've benched the guys, I guess they think they can bench. Max Jones has been in out of the lineup. Like they've tried to change things up as much as they can barring you know big moves here like scratching a a key core player like Adam Henrique or you know bringing up a a Trevor Zegras like really big headliner moves and it looks like they made their first one here in in benching Adam Henrique. but you know it it really could be either or at this point I mean you know if he is going to get traded at this point and and if this is a move you know because it was a late healthy scratch late in the day where it got announced, where it almost felt like a game-time decision. You know, these are the types of moves we've seen in the past where a team will healthy scratch a guy and an important player. and It usually happens a couple hours before puck drop, and then, you know, next morning he's off to another team. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see here because wherever Adam Henry gets moved, he's got a big contract. Mm -hmm. He's not playing well. The return can't be major, you would think, for Anaheim.
1: No. And then once again, you don't know if uh, who's trying to save their job. Is it uh, the coach trying to save, you know, his job by just, like I said, pulling anything, any trick he might have to possibly get people to wake up and start playing hockey? Or is it the GM maybe saving his job and trying to do a big splash trade by getting Adam Henrique out of there? Uh Bob Murray doesn't make a lot of big splash trades um so i i have a hesitation to think that he's going to do that especially if he's conceded to the fact that this is his you know lame duck year he's he's gone after this i don't think he's going to do anything too drastic to the lineup unless it is a dramatically a dramatic improvement so um i think he's kind of kind of hand off the the team in a better position for a new gm to kind of do what they want to do versus handcuffing themselves but uh it's odd that it kind of came late but you've also heard that mantra uh for the last little while from the coaching staff where we're in it to win it we're here to win and if you're not going to win then you know you we're going to hold you accountable and uh if you're not playing to the level we expect then you're going to be held accountable i think that's that's their message is like, it doesn't matter who you are. We, if you're not playing what you need to do, then we need to go ahead and, and hold you accountable for it. So that's, that's my, that's my thought on it. I just, I feel like they're like, all right, you're not producing and uh, we're not here. You know, it comes from Bob Murray down to uh, the coaching staff is we're not here to evaluate anybody. We know what we got and either you're going to play or you're not, you know, but you're going to dictate how we're going to, reach utilize you so yeah and, and and part of me believes too like if you know if adam
0: henrique is, is traded at this point you know how much of it is the ducks searching for that move because they said they're looking for scores so it, it would be a kind of a shift from what we've heard lately in terms of trade rumors for the ducks to move out <laughs> adam henrique for you know prospects or picks if you were looking to bring in scores to the team, he would be a guy you would think if they are searching for scores and going with that win now mantra that Bob Murray touted at the beginning of the season that you would keep a player like Adam Henrique. And it always comes back to, for me, the we don't know the direction of this team. You know, we've heard one thing. We heard other things. The way they play kind of shows a, a different direction. And it's like, you know, Bob Murray, the only part we've heard from him ever is that, you know, he thinks they're a team we could win now. And we haven't seen any trades or any moves this year other than the Ducks being in on Pierre-Luc Dubois, which you could probably chalk up to a move that is is trying to win now, even though Dubois is only twenty two. So and and for Henrique too, you know, the, another wrinkle to this is is D B Lowry brought up in our chat, he is a partial no trade, which we know the one team on it is Columbus, because when the Pierre Luc Dubois rumors were coming around, it said that You know, one team on Henrik's no trade list is is Columbus, so he wouldn't be a part of that trade. But other than that, like there's 10 teams or nine other teams than Columbus that Henrik has a a say in if he doesn't want to go to. So that adds another wrinkle into if he could get traded as well. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace
1: wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and I just don't understand the logic of trading. Who's The guy who's going to be your number one, center at some point you know in my opinion i think gets left still that guy this year he's showing it to me he's he's at least the one person that's entertaining to watch at any point you know he can set up somebody you'd like to see him maybe get a goal in here but that's always been what you hope for but he's still doing what you expect him to do and he's still leading and being a captain so it's you know but his, his skill will regress a little bit and all they have really in the pipeline at this point is you know Henrique, who's going to take over, and Sam Steele. Even though he's good, he's he's still not quite at Adam Henrique's level. So trading him, where does that leave you? I mean, unless you're getting a center in return, and you're just expecting Sam Steele to become your number one next year, uh, I, I don't know. I just I, I don't see a really great reason or any sort of return that you would get that would improve the team better, especially down that center position where we're weak already.
0: Yeah, I mean, you do that if you're signaling a rebuild, right? Because at that point, you know, who moves into that spot? Sam Steele obviously moves up to second line, but at third line, is it Agazino? Is it Lindström? You know, Derek Grant's out right now, and Bacchus is filling his spot. So, you know, when Grant comes back, is it Bacchus on the fourth line, Grant on the third line? Like, you know, it's 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 a sig- you know it's a trade that if that happens, it signals a rebuild because you're you're taking out a you know. I don't want to call Henrique a bona fide top six forward, but a, a middle six center out of your lineup and saying, hey, we're going to bring up a borderline AHL player or a fourth-line player, and this is who's going to replace him. At that point, you're saying, okay, we're, we're bunkering down and and we're selling off assets and this is a rebuild, which I wouldn't hate because at least we would know the direction at that point, right? We would know what, what they're trying to go for here uh-huh. unless it was a, a hockey trade from Bob Murray where it was you know Adam Henrique traded one for one for you know a score around the same age and in the same salary cap but uh, again uh, you know i'll bring this up a thousand times probably this year <laughs> and until it until it changes it's yeah. the lack of direction you know has us going off in 50 different places for what
1: a healthy scratch of adam henry could look like we yeah. don't know at this point yeah. there's a lot of plates spinning right now and it's really hard to kind of figure out you know where, where they're putting their value at this point or, or like you said where the direction is is like oh you know or it's like there's a bob murray just like all right well i'm kind of out so um i'm just not gonna rock the boat much or you know i'm really just letting akins do whatever he wants because you know here's his shot and who cares i'm not back next year i don't, I don't know it's just, yeah it's odd awesome.
0: yeah expansion draft uh, as Brett or sorry as Jason Southern brought up in our chat throws a whole yeah. other wrinkle in yeah exactly as well is maybe he's you know you would trade him just so you could keep one of the young kids because Jones or Teeler or Steeler Terry would be uh would be exposed uh, at the expansion draft so I'm not even I'm not even gonna get down that well of, of another uh, branch of why <laughs> uh why Henry could trade it let's move on to our um our post-game questions here, because we actually got a fair amount uh, for today's show, which makes sense. We've been off for a couple of days here. But uh, St. George sports fan on Twitter said, how long till Gibby demands a trade? And in, in all honesty, like, I, I don't think it would happen. But if anybody was at a point on this team to say, hey, like, I want out, I'm demanding a trade, <laughs> it would be John Gibson. Yeah. Uh,
1: <sighs> hmm. I don't know. I mean, because it's kind of like, well, <laughs> Why didn't Carey Price ever uh, demand a trade out of Montreal? Because he had to go through a lot of crappy, crappy years to yeah. uh, get to the point where they're they're doing really decent right now. Although because they're in a Canadian division, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, Gibson's Gibson's a gamer. Um, he wants to win, um, and I'm sure he doesn't mind taking a lot of shots and being good. He just wants a team that's going to compete in front of him. I can see his frustration, um, you know, when he did his uh, attack move, uh, uh, <laughs> headlock, uh, throw him to uh, the ground. Garland, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you can see that frustration pop up every now and again. Um, and it's a little bit of frustration for from my mind, his teammates. If your teammates aren't playing in front of you, it gets a little, little depressing. But um, I don't... I think he's also, you know, aware of what's going on um, as far as what the Ducks are, you know, where they're at positionally wise and what they maybe might be moving forward to. I think he's kind of waiting for that next season, that next era, a new GM, a new, you know, direction. And at that point, maybe you can kind of see, but eventually, you know, maybe his contract runs out before he gets to that point and then he goes somewhere else. Now, goalies aren't like players for the most part, uh, a lot of the times. They'll get better with experience. Um, You don't need to be a young goalie to be really good. Uh, The more experience you get, that definitely helps you. And I think Gibson is a good enough goalie that he'll be good for for many, many years. So, yeah, everyone says, oh, we're wasting the best years. I mean, they're good years for sure, but I I think it's it's not like he's got three good years and we're wasting it. I feel like he's got a very long career where he's going to be very good. And I don't feel that he's too worried about if this beginning part has not really – panned out once it comes to free agent time you know yeah you know if, if things haven't gotten in a better situation then yeah he will probably be like, listen i'm there's there's no compete level here and there's nothing that makes me think there's it's going to get better so i'll just move on yeah that that's where i would think we would see this pick up i don't think he ever gets to a
0: situation and nor do i think he's the type of guy to ask for a trade i think Most he wants don't. To, yeah i think he wants to make things work here yeah. i think he wants to win here and you know uh, he doesn't want to give up and be say, that guy
1: too. I mean, yeah,
0: he doesn't want to ask for a trade and give up and, and be the guy that had to get out of there. Cause the team was so bad in front of him. Like he knows that. And, and everybody knows that he's, you know, without him, the ducks are infinitely worse. Um, but I would think, yeah, if, if there was ever a point, he did ask for a trade or signal to the ducks that he wasn't going to come back. It would be close to when he's hitting, you know, free agency near the, the last couple of years of his contract, maybe it's in, you know, his second last year, he says to the ducks, Hey, like." You know depending on where they are at this time things aren't turning around the The future doesn't look bright here i'm probably not going to come back you know you can explore trading me for the last year of my contract and, and that'll be that i mean hopefully by that time the ducks are in a better position and he yeah. feels more comfortable at sticking around and, and and the team in front of him is playing a lot better but you know I, I don't think it's like if the ducks lose the next five games four or five nothing he's going to say all of a sudden say hey i want out of here like It doesn't get much worse than what the Ducks are going through right now or what they went through last season. I don't think anything, you know, if if something was going to spark a trade rumor or or spark him wanting to get out of here, it'd be the start to to yesterday's game, to Saturday's game, (laughs) getting absolutely obliterated and having no effort through the first period. and He's still here. So I can't really see him anytime soon saying, hey, you know, I want to out trade me.
1: It's very rare that goalies are going to be that vocal about it. Um, I mean, you, you can think of Patrick Waugh demanding a trade out, but but uh, like I said, I mean, Carey Price has been considered one of the best goalies you know forever, and he's he's had to just dwell and and wither away, as Ed likes to say in Montreal, until you know just a season. At least they're off to a good start, that sort of deal um you know but you know he hasn't even gone around and asked for a trade so it's you know it doesn't happen too often you can get frustrated players get frustrated but usually you don't see goalies asking or demanding trades yeah and and there's not too many
0: scenarios that you could look into and say the Ducks would win in a trade where trade. John Gibson ends up moving uh there's not many teams who are one looking to bring in an elite quality goaltender and that could also have the assets to go out and acquire one without significantly hurting another spot in their team. I think, you know, in our Discord, we've been chatting about this pretty heavily over the last couple of days. And one team that kind of keeps coming up into the mix, which I think it's probably the only team who could realistically pull this off,
1: Colorado. is the Colorado
0: Avalanche because yeah. they've got a good team as is. As well as having, you know, a top ten, top fifteen prospect pool in the NHL. And you look at Bowen Byram is playing for them this year, but he's not necessarily an impact player. And he's a guy they could probably replace. As he is right now in their lineup, and I think the same goes for their one of their other top prospects, and Alex Newhook, who's playing in the NCAA, is, is another prospect you could look at there. And then Colorado not really being super attached to a first round pick because they're likely a team that's going to go far. Like they have the assets to make that work. And you think of you know then sending a, a player with a, a decent cap hit in return to cover the cost of John Gibson. Like they, yes, they could make it work. Mm-hmm. Would they be willing to give up on Grubauer? And, and, you know, I think they're comfortable, honestly, yeah. having group power and, and moving forward with that. Would they be willing to give up those assets to get a player like John Gibson? I don't necessarily think they're at that point where they're desperate to go out and Oops. get a goaltender like John Gibson.
1: Yeah. And I, 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 to your point, I just think that most teams that are really good that already have a good goalie. So anyone that's that's really good and looking, looking to add a goalie is probably pretty okay with what they've got and then if if there's a team that's maybe looking for it uh that's you know not quite there and the goaltending is really where they really need to upgrade um do they have the assets because if they're a middle of the road team it's it's very rare that you're going to have that middle of the road team with a great prospect pool that the ducks would be really interested in especially right now the ducks don't have that next goalie we hope uh, gets there. Uh, but he's still very, very young in his North American career, uh, and it sometimes is a little bit of a transition from Europe to here. So, once again, even though it's nice to trade him, it's like, well, who's going to be a goal? Because Miller, if you trade Gibson, Miller's not going to try and be the the starting goalie after this year. And so where are we next year? we got to throw it over to, to Dostal and yeah. hope. You know, sink or swim. So there's a lot of different factors that go into that, but I don't think Gibby's really looking to, to move. I think he's, he's willing to try and work it out, but if he sees that management and ownership isn't really doing anything to, to help him uh, towards the end of that contract, then he's, all right, Well, you guys had me um, for as long as you did, but uh, you gave me nothing, so I'm, I don't feel like I owe you anything, so...
0: Another reason this isn't the season where it gets done either is the COVID restrictions and protocols this year requires teams to have three goaltenders on their roster at all times, which right now is Gibson, Miller, and Stolars. Yeah. Dostal starting in San Diego, they brought up, I think, Ole Erickson the, the last couple of days, but Miller can't play as many games as a starting goaltender requires at, at his age right now. And you look at the role he's played over the last couple of seasons, I don't think it's feasible or respectful to say, hey, we're trading John Gibson for you know the betterment of the future of this franchise. That means we're going to run you into the absolute ground for the next for the last little yeah. bit of the season here, and you're going to play all these games. The only way I think it, it ever gets done is is goaltender ha- would have to come back and return. That's
1: right, yeah.
0: in, in any trade, and and you know it doesn't have to be a goaltender anywhere near John Gibson's quality, but it would have to be an NHL goaltender who the Ducks can keep on their roster and and comfortably think they could split starts or play most of the starts. Uh, that allows Ryan Miller to do what he does best and get in. You know, every three, four, five games, every now and then, and 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 kind of they can pick and choose those matchups. So, just the working parts, not not alone in any year, but this year oh. with the requirements, it it just isn't something I can uh, I can see happening. I like yeah. how we spent 10, 15 minutes on that one question. So. I love
1: it because it was about goalies. <laughs>
0: um, Dalton had a question. He said, "Does this team have an identity?" I think very clearly at this point in time they don't um, it, it, it's almost like you said with with the scratching of Henrique today it's you know just seeing what sticks and they don't really have a kind of direction or identity or a way they want to play right now it's you know I, again they, they're just kind of Interchanging guys into the lineup hoping something works and seeing what they can get out of it. And it's it's been a lot of what we've we've seen over the last couple of seasons, especially with Dallas Akins coming in. We we would have hoped, that maybe not by this point, but we'd at least start seeing what a Dallas Akins team looks like. And I still don't think I'm sure I know what a Dallas Akins team looks like, and unless this is it and it's just pure chaos. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh,
1: I haven't seen a Dallas Akins team. I've heard what it's supposed to be. Uh, but I haven't seen it, uh, yeah. so I've I've heard them talk about how they're 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 gonna change their way. They're gonna be quicker. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna think quicker, and everyone's gonna be held responsible. And I hear that game in and game out. Um, I'd love to give him, I guess, the benefit of the doubt. The fact that last season he was kind of inheriting the team uh, from you know Randy Carlisle system and mentality, and had to try and change things out. COVID hits. That whole thing gets squashed. Now they're in a completely different situation, but still having to deal with what COVID is and exactly how he's going to do it. So it's not an ideal situation to come in and hopefully you know, start up uh, your era. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you've got to produce. And if you're not producing, this will be a second coaching stint where even though talent is available, it doesn't translate to wins or a good product on the ice. It's not fun to watch this team. Uh, So I have no idea what they are because I see a period where they kind of look good and you think they kind of got their attitude together and it's inconsistent game in and game out. So it was easier when the Ducks were, you know, the big bruisers that would hit, physically kind of wear you down. We knew what our identity was. Now it's kind of like the new NHL dictates you have to kind of play almost this way And all the players that we have don't seem to fit into that mold or at least don't have their game system so good that it can compete with everyone else who's doing what they're doing. So, once again, when they watch plays, that's not a style. You're watching other people's style and you're trying to react in the moment. And when you can't think quickly and you know what your goal is, then you look really slow out there. And that's what the Ducks have looked like for the last two and a half seasons. Yeah, Shane said the Minnesota Wild, but orange. <laughs> so uh,
0: even yeah, that Minnesota's yeah. doing better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even Minnesota seemed to have a, a structure when they were uh, when they were in here a couple times this year. They they actually looked pretty decent. It, it is a boring game and reminiscent of you know the early two thousands New Jersey Devils, where it's kind of sit back and and we'll take advantage of the opportunities when we get them and we'll just kind of suffocate you. But the Ducks. Don't, Don't
1: even agree. really have that. <laughs> you know, uh, I, do you know what we do have an identity? It's uh, you know, better or goalie until you guys get tired. It's rope and dope. <laughs> Basically Gibson's our Muhammad Ali, and he just rope-a-dopes you until everyone's tired, and then we somehow get a goal, and you're knocked on your back, and somehow that happened in the 12th round. So that's probably about it. We're just going to sit on our goalie, hope a goal goes in, and we yeah. win one nothing. The thing for me, too, is
0: it's going from a team who had as clear an identity as any team in the entire league. You know, When anybody talked about the Anaheim Ducks, it was like, oh, they're a big physical team who's going to punish you. They're and a you know, reputation. Yeah, exactly. They had a reputation around the league where you know a lot of fans of other teams might not know every player on the Ducks, but they know how the Ducks play, and they hated it. And everybody hated to play against us and hated the players we had. And, and and that was our identity, and that's who the Ducks were. And I know eventually you lose that as teams transition, but they haven't picked anything new up. It's almost like they're still searching for what that next step is going to be, and they haven't got to it yet, and, and it's just trying and trying and trying and trying until you find something they just haven't done it yet. So it's, it's yeah. going to be a while and, and it's going to take, you know, whether it's changing management, which I think a lot of people agree a change in coaching staff an injection of new players. It, it's going to be a, you know, I think a clean mix of, of, all of those things. So, um, we'll move on to the, one of the, the next questions we have here from Dimitri, which I knew this was going to come up at some point here, but, uh, if you didn't see it earlier today, the New York Rangers put uh, Tony D'Angelo on waivers. Um, basically has nothing to do with his plan. The ice this is this guy who put up 50 plus points as a defenseman last year. It's has everything to do with his personality and uh, everything off the ice, uh, you know, political views and everything withstanding. And I think he also got in an altercation with uh, Rangers goaltender, uh, Alexander Gorgiev in a practice, uh, I think earlier today. that
1: no, no, was, it was after their, their game
0: yesterday. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, it ultimately ended up with him getting placed on waivers. So he said, can you see Murray claiming uh, D'Angelo off waivers? You, you know what? If this was strictly based off Ducks needing a certain player or, or a certain mold or type of player in a 50-plus a point right shot offensive defenseman, I think normally you would say, yeah, like, this is a guy the Ducks would be interested in. But then, when you look at the PR side of things and, and the fact that, you know, this guy's just not a great human being, the Ducks management and owning and owners and, and you know, their PR team and, and marketing staff, <laughs> he, you know, he, there's a big red X or memo gone out tonight saying, yeah, this is not, not happening. Happen, yeah. There is <sighs> no way in hell the Ducks would come anywhere close to Tony D'Angelo in my mind. I just don't think they, that's, uh, you know, a shitstorm they want to open up and, and bring into to their organization.
1: Yeah, it's unfortunate. He's a horrible person. So, because I mean, <laughs> he's, he's he's got good talent. He's he's definitely helpful. Uh, but uh, the rumor was is that the Rangers were trying to shop him um, in the uh, off season and, and couldn't. Ended up trading him, so they ended up resigning him for a couple more years. Uh, but you know, he's he's not exactly the greatest defensive defenseman. And I, I don't know what that whole altercation was, but apparently he, he initiated it. It got so bad. Once again, allegedly that uh, I think it's Chris Kreider had to actually intervene and yeah. rum reports punched uh, D'Angelo in the face. So I mean, if it got that heated and this this guy's also uh, had problems back when he was in the minor leagues, just a bunch of uh, yeah, I don't know the specifics of it, but uh, uh, you know, one of those one of those guys that uh, you know, let's see, not racist, but you know, just. What's what's the word I'm looking for? Is uh, a guy not necessarily politically correct, uh, but a guy who just makes his teammates uncomfortable, um, yeah. and not a guy that you really want in in that a, a toxic kind of um, personality. And the Ducks yeah. aren't going to be served well, even if he helps put up points from the back end. It, it, the Ducks are already kind of in a crappy situation, anyways with with our. Um, you know or not not people but just the, the attitude of the the players. So it's like adding that into that mix is just more volatility that the ducks just can't really afford to do,
0: yeah. you know there's some uncomfortable legend stories surrounding Tony D'Angelo and uh, you know his treatment of other teammates and his treatment of rookie Keandre Miller with the Rangers and a bunch of other things where he's taken his opinions and his beliefs off ice and brought them into the locker room and when you look at a team that's in pure chaos as is with uh, with Anaheim right now it uh, it doesn't doesn't bode well to inject a player like that into into a locker room I mean if you take everything out and look at his ability as a hockey player and his profile as a hockey player you'd potentially be the type of player the Ducks would need. Like we said, an offensive defenseman uh, who can put up 40 to 50 points on the right side. Uh, you know, it's what the Ducks hoped they would get some semblance of with, with Kevin Shankirk, maybe not to the same production level. But, you know, D'Angelo really can't play defense, but he sure can play offense. But everything mm-hmm. else he brings with him is just a, a huge no-go. You know, I wouldn't mm-hmm. personally want him on the team because of everything he brings with him. You mm-hmm. know with the, with how stingy the Ducks' PR department
1: is, they have no interest There's, in having all, <laughs> all of them there. There's a reason the, the Rangers are waving him. I mean, as good as he is and as much as they would probably really want to keep him, they're willing to have someone just claim him. Just like, listen, it's not worth it anymore. Like, we're we're done. And if another team is saying that and they're just as desperate for points and to be, you know, the Rangers had high expectations coming in with all their first round draft picks, this year was going to be it. And it's off to a really shaky start. You'd think they'd do everything to hold on and they'd overlook things. But at some point they said. We're throwing it up. Can anyone take this guy off our hands? I just don't want to be that team.
0: No. No, I, I can't see it. Um, you, you know, like you said, it's a clear clear message out there when they felt like they had to put him on waivers and, and not... Uh, Even try uh, for a trade. Uh, well, yeah, and I'm sure they probably did, and I'm sure they canvassed a lot of teams, or if not every team across the league, and it was just a no-go. You know, I'm, I'm sure there were some general managers out there who would take him and would play him because you know especially in the old boys hockey club. There are some guys who just would not care. And, uh, but there's no way any organization is going to bring this guy in right now. He's basically played himself out of the NHL and not even really played himself out of the NHL. Yeah, just I mean, just... He, He's just kicked himself out with, with just his disrespectful behavior and, and, and yeah. everything that comes with it. I mean, like yeah. it's just such a ridiculous thing because without that side of things in it, And you look at his season last year, like this is a guy that teams would be fighting to get onto the roster in in terms of production. I think it was what,
1: top four among defensemen and points? Yeah. I mean, 53
0: points as a defenseman is an excellent year. And a short short year. (laughs) You would never think a team would be moving on from a guy like that and and teams wouldn't be interested, but it just everything. Cost analysis. and and I've even dove into everything. We you know this has been going on for a very very long time. I haven't dove into the recent stuff he's done, but this is an ongoing situation. It's not like this developed out of nowhere. Like there's been issues with Tony D'Angelo for at least you know the last year, year and a half, if not two years, with stories popping up here and there, and him being a little bit too open and active on Twitter and social media, right? So it's just he's, uh,
1: he's blacklisted himself. So
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll move into the last couple questions we have here. Matthew had, had a bunch of questions for us, so I'll pick a couple here. Uh, he said, what do you think of the improvement of Steele, Terry, Jones, and Lindstrom? Um,
1: I would yeah. uh, uh, I would answer that question with another question. What improvement?
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I
1: think it, it depends on the guys you're talking about. I think there's been improvement in Steele. Steele's a little bit better. I think uh, 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 Jones has been a little bit better. I think he's... He's settled into his role a little bit better. But once again, when your expectation was that he was going to be producing at a higher level than he is, uh, I think you're just, you know, you're kind of happy. At least he's he's maintaining it in his new role. Steele is going to be a center. Terry, there has it's been complete no flip there, side. He's yeah, been yeah, I If seen anything. anything, yeah. And then Lundstrom... You know, it's still a work in progress. He's going to take a little bit more time, but I still don't, I mean, he's going to fight to have an NHL career. Um, he'll be that guy, I think, kind of fights between NHL and AHL. Yeah. And we haven't seen enough, I think, of Jones and Lindstrom yet.
0: Uh, mm-hmm. A bit more of Jones, definitely not enough of Lindstrom. I think we've only seen two, maybe three mm-hmm. games, and obviously had a good game in San Diego, but. It's a whole different level. He's, he's yeah. but I think
1: he played last year a little bit, but once again, it's, it depends where your expectation level is. And I, you know, if you have him set really high, then you're disappointed. I, I think Lindstrom's where he's at. Terry's way below where I thought he should be. Steals pretty good. A little above average of what I thought. Eh. And then Max Jones is a little bit less than what I thought, but I like his new role. So yeah, we'll take it. Um,
0: Last question we have is from Joseph on Facebook. Uh, he said, "Can we promote Martin Madden and hire Gronborg?" <laughs> 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 in all honesty, like, can Didn't he Bomber, sign a two-year deal, Gronborg? I think yeah, with uh, some ZSC Lions in in Austria, he's, so he's up. there. He's available. Hey, I, mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think Apparently. it'd be one of those situations where he might have an NHL out clause in his contract with that team where if the NHL team did call, come calling, doesn't seem like an in-season hire by any means. And and I don't think the Ducks are honestly in a position where they're, they're going to move uh, a coach at this point because that, again, is Bob Murray admitting he did wrong. And, uh, you know, I don't I, 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 I think I've said this once before, but I think, uh, finally, I think if anybody's going to go out first it would be bob murray at this point because i think ownership might just get fed up at some point that bob murray has been feeding them these pipe dreams and feeding everybody this pipe dream that the ducks are a win now and a competitive team this year and uh clearly they're not they have one player who can win them a game and that's why they've won you know what four games or three games this year is because of john gibson
1: yeah i think I think, yeah, I, I'm on the same page. I, I think Bob Murray is probably the first one to go because I think ownership would probably say, let's get a new GM in here that wants to put his coach in. Um, now, whether that's Gromberg or Gallant, um, I don't know which one you'd want to go. I'd probably stick more with Gallant, in my opinion, because I think he's a great coach. He's uh, been given yeah. the shaft way too many times. Uh but uh, I don't think you're going to see Bob Murray get rid of Aikens to pick up Galant or uh, Gromberg. So I think you'll you'll have to wait and see a GM move, and I don't think ownership's going to do that until the season's over and the expansion draft happens, and then it's, all right, part ways. We have everything we have, and it'll probably be a, quite honestly, promotion from within as far as GMs go. Because I think they're going to want to have some sort of say on how that expansion draft and the next draft happen. So you maybe want someone who's already kind of with Bob Murray and knows what's going on. But
0: yeah, and, and, and something has to break here at some point. Something has to to change or or, or what it may, whatever it may be, and whether that's you know we wake up tomorrow and Adam Henrique's been traded, or the Ducks lose a couple more games and, and a trade has to happen. Like it, you you got that feeling that they're almost at that point where they need to do something whether it's you know firing a coach which i don't think is is the right move at this point or the ownership says okay we've had enough murray you're out and martin madden maybe steps is is interim gm for this year and then they do the search at the end of at the end of the season which again doesn't seem like an option they'll go to with expansion draft looming and in, in july and yeah you know i it, you're just at that point though where how can you continue to do this for forty six more games without something changing? And again, we're only ten games in, but when in a shortened season, this is you know twenty percent of the way through the year now. Where in a normal year, this is twenty games in, and we're not you know surprised to have trade rumors or, or coach firing, you know suggestions or whatever it may be. So you got to take that into account. Like, yeah, it's only ten right. games, but it's a shortened season, so it it we really are you know pretty far into the season at this point.
1: Yeah, so at the fifty six, eighty two. So yeah, you got to think we're almost like thirty odd games into the season at this point. Yeah. So compared to a normal season, and uh, yeah, and if we're we're struggling, definitely here. Um, but yeah, I I actually think that that might be more of a scenario where you'll have the interim GM come in at least just for a little bit, and then maybe he can kind of work with a new GM as long as he stays in that assistant GM mode, but. I don't know. I don't know. There's no good, no good answers right here. We're all just <laughs> trying to hold on for as long as we can. But you can't can't keep losing, at least in this fashion. That's it's too
0: embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, wh- like we mentioned earlier in the show, we got a big game coming up against the, the Kings on Tuesday. And then I believe it is a – is it a back-to-back against San Jose? No, it's not. It's a Saturday and Monday game. Uh, oh, no, that's wrong. It, it is a back-to-back. It's Friday-Saturday against the Sharks Friday the 5th and Saturday the 6th against the Sharks so three big games coming up there and, and I think the Kings one is important because if you go into that game against a team that you're expected to be you know around the same skill level at and record-wise they're they're pretty similar the Ducks are now 3-5-2 and two and the Kings are 3-3-2 and two. um you know, if you get hammered there by the Kings, that is not a good look. Because getting hammered by the Blues, it is what it is. The Blues are the top team, points-wise, in, in this division right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, know, you lose some close games against Arizona, and, and the table, the, the standings are kind of playing out the way we we thought they would at this point, where it's St. Louis, Colorado, Vegas, Minnesota, the top four teams, and then a significant gap down to Anaheim, San Jose, L.A., and Arizona. You can't go into Tuesday's game and get absolutely bodied and outplayed by the Kings because that is not only your rival, and it's an embarrassing look. Mm-hmm. It shows that you're not even close to a team that people thought, that some people thought, myself included, is worse than you this year. And, you know, the Kings aren't looking great by any means, but there's at least some promise and some hope there with some of the players they have and, and some games they actually take over and, and look like the better team.
1: Yeah, and if you if you lose to them, especially in an embarrassing fashion or a lackluster effort again, and you can't if you can't get yourself amped up to play against the Kings, uh, no matter where you are in the standings, at least that's your rival. That's that's what you should get. At that point, it's an embarrassment for the fans. It's an embarrassment for the players. It's an embarrassment for management, and it's an embarrassment for the ownership. and And if all of those things keep happening something's going to change eventually ownership's going to say done over it let's move on we can't get up for this game we're out let's go let's let's uh, you're, you're gone you're gone let's figure this out well, well we'll end the
0: show on some positives here uh the girls played tonight wasn't streamed on youtube it was a radio broadcast but trevor zegers grabbed the shootout winner Jamie Drysdale got his first of the preseason. Yay. So the the two most promising Ducks kids look good tonight. <laughs> uh, so the future bodes well in, in some sense when you've got those two guys still playing well. And, and, you know, for anybody that's watched the broadcasted games that they have had for the goals this year, you've seen Trevor Zegras look like he's clearly the best player on that team already. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Good signs there. At least goals yeah. games are exciting to watch, and we can all <laughs> speculate and, and you know, wait Trevor Zegers' debut whenever so. that does come, if it comes this year. So we will be live on Tuesday after the game against the Kings. And then as it was for this weekend, same for next week, weekend with the Sharks games, we won't be live after Friday's game. We'll be live after Saturday's game to yeah. recap the back-to-back series against the Sharks, which is hopefully better than this back-to-back series against the Blues. Because I don't think I could, I don't think <laughs> we're going to get many viewers after back-to-back, you know, horrible losses to the Sharks. The Blues is one thing, but to the Sharks, it's uh, yeah, it's a whole other ball game. So hopefully we'll have some wins to talk about some better play uh but thanks for everybody who coming out uh as i mentioned you know if you if you do like to support the show uh make sure you check out our patreon we release at least two bonus episodes every month and they're a ton of fun uh, you also get to join in on our discord chat which lately has been pretty lively with yeah rumors. keeps going <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's been a pretty fun place to chat and, and, and as always uh you know, if you want to head over to Apple Podcasts and, and leave a review for the show, uh, you know, it helps us out. It, it helps get our name out there and uh, helps get more people not only live into the chat on, on the post game show, which is a lot of fun, but to listen to the show over the next couple of days, too. So we always uh, we always appreciate that. Uh, stay tuned with us on social media over the next couple of days. You'll see you know well, announcements on who's going to be live on Tuesday night and and any other, uh, you know, any other news that we put out throughout the week. So again, thanks for coming out guys. And we'll see you after the Kings game on Tuesday night. Bye guys.